This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, what's going on, y'all? Welcome back to this Gulf Coast Bank Trust Tiger Tailgate Show. LSU versus Southern Miss. Finally, football is back. There's been so much discussion uh, over the Florida game, over all these ancillary type of items, over everything surrounding the LSU program, but not a lot of talk about the football itself. And when you look at tonight's game against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, the football itself hopefully will give us some of the answers to the questions that LSU fans will have. And really, when you look at where this team currently is, I think there's an argument to be made that there's more questions at this point than there has been all season. And it's because of the coaching change that took place. It's because of the one glimpse that we got at the coaching change in a game situation. LSU was dominant. They were literally record-breaking. But now the question becomes, you know, was that a fluky type of performance? You played a bad Missouri team. You had a lot of positive momentum going your way with the novelty of new practice schedules and and, and just the, the changes that Coach O had implemented. You had a stadium that was once again excited and behind that team. And that team fed off all that energy and it fed off all that positivity. And, well, they dominated Missouri. But once again, Missouri's not a very good team. So how good is this LSU team? We don't really know. No, and we, we don't won't, know. We, we won't know fully after tonight, but this does give us our – this will provide us with more information, with further answers. This is the next step up in the roller coaster before it really begins in earnest – against Ole Miss so so I, I think tonight's game's a bit interesting because the level of the opponent looks Southern Miss is not a bad team but if we believe LSU to be as good as they are then they're not on LSU's level so this game has the potential to go poorly from a fan perspective for the Tigers like look if you blow out Southern Miss good people will be excited uh, because that's what you're supposed to do etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you struggle if the offense looks inefficient, if the offense looks kind of painful once again and doesn't manage to replicate the methodical nature uh, that they displayed against Mizzou, then a lot of the goodwill that you built up in week number one could evaporate in front of your eyes here in the second opportunity. So this Southern Miss game, at the beginning of the year, this looked like a game that really uh, wouldn't have much of an impact, wouldn't be that big of a deal. This was like checking a box and then moving on because of the coaching change, because of everything that's gone on. Uh, this game has now taken on a much greater perfo- uh, importance. No, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the one thing, too, is that you, I think you look back, as you go back, is that it's, it's on their merit, though. For instance, let's just say tonight that you go by – I go by strictly on what we saw from Missouri – and that's it. For instance, if there were a few things tonight, T-Bob, fundamentals or whatever, that it was a step back, I would go back to, okay, this is 
I'm not going back to Wisconsin. I'm not going back to Jacksonville State because I think it's a whole different team. And I'm, I don't mean that, you know, you, you evaporated, you take away those performances that they had, but in a way you do because we saw a completely different ball club against Missouri. We saw a team that came to the line of scrimmage with 15, 16 seconds left on the clock, so they had plenty enough time to get the playoff. We saw a ball club that was going down the field. They were consistent. And we saw a team, I think, that gave a lot of people a lot of confidence that, you know what, this is a team that's improving. And, and that's all you have to do every time you step out on the field. You don't have to blow anybody out. You don't have to worry about anybody else. It's you look yourself in the mirror and you go at the end of those four quarters. Did we take a step in the right direction? Did we improve from our last performance to this performance to the next time? And I, I, I really do expect that. I, I think that you're seeing a team that's improving. And I, I would be willing to bet, T-Bob, of course, we're not privy to this. Coach O has been a little more, I guess you'd say, open to the media. Yeah. But I would be willing to bet these coaches and these players themselves, they feel they feel themselves getting better at each practice. Look, I think I, that's the type of team that this team can be is to get better at each practice. And if they can do that, T-Bob, then, I mean, I, I really do think that they can win a lot of ball games. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Right? They, they, they seemed hungry to play Florida last yeah, week. They yeah. seemed hungry to get back on that field and prove themselves once again. And so I, 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 I think they'll approach it with that attitude however what, what is it like the best laid plans of mice and men can go awry or what, what wait what's the other saying uh, no battle plan survives first contact so like as much momentum and as much good as there is surrounding this program right now a couple of three and out series a couple of those and maybe you just start flat because it's not a big sec opponent like some of that goodwill could potentially evaporate but that's what's so great about tonight is that well we shall see uh you mentioned though expectations rising deke and i guess my question to you is has have expectations risen too high like it's it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where because of the record-breaking win over missouri a bad missouri team all of a sudden, people are talking about uh, running the table, and people are asking, like, oh, could a two-loss SEC champion get in the college football playoff? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. We have to pump the brakes. This is still a team. And, well, what you said, there's there's some merit there that, you know, it is kind of like two separate seasons with Miles and now with O. But this is still a team that has not won a road game. They're 0-2 on a road. This is a team that barely beat a not very good Mississippi State team. Like, if we're looking at all the evidence as far as what's been good and what's been bad, the bad actually still outweighs the good. So I think everybody should maybe keep temper your expectations a bit, but remain hopeful because of what you saw against Missouri. No, I agree with you, T-Bob. Well, T-Bob is talking about LSU, and let's get you caught up on things because there's some big games happening in the state of Louisiana, including one north of here in Jackson, Mississippi. Old Rye was renewed in the swag today, the Jackson State Tigers and the Southern Jaguars. We call it the Boot Report. Here is Jordan Fecal. Good afternoon, college football fans. Here's what's going on with teams from around the state. I'm Jordan Fiegel, and this is the Boot Report. ULL got things started for the boot on Wednesday night when they hosted the Appalachian State Mountaineers. The Raging Cajuns were dominated, getting shut out 24 to nothing, their first since 2009. Next up for ULL will be Texas State. Tulane had a game under the Friday night lights, hosting the Memphis Tigers. The Green Wave are having a good first year under head coach Willie Fritz, but the Tigers proved to be too much. Tulane drops to 3-3 and starts prepping for next week's road game against Tulsa. Grambling State is off for the second week in a row. 
Despite a bye last week, the Tigers climbed a couple spots in the FCS coaches poll, moving up to number 23. The Southern Jaguars finally retake the field after two bye weeks in a row. The Jags look to get their third straight win over the Jackson State Tigers. Southern had a rough start to the season against two FBS teams, but they looked dominant in their last two against SWAC foes. Head coach Dawson Odoms talked about the challenges of having two straight buys. You know, hopefully our guys be eager to go play on Saturday, but it's a lot of time, a lot of time for you to think about a lot of things other than football. And when you allow that to interfere with your day-to-day process, these guys can get sidetracked real quick. But it's the end that you dealt. You do the best you can. Louisiana Tech kicked off with a road game at UMass. The Bulldogs had a few extra days off after last week's Thursday night shootout win over Western Kentucky. Tech catches the Minutemen while they're reeling from three straight losses. QB Ryan Higgins is the third most prolific passer in the country right now, and he could feast on UMass's middling pass defense. Northwestern State hits the road for the third time in four weeks with a trip to the Lamar Cardinals. The Demons finally got their first win of the season last Saturday, crushing Kentucky Wesleyan 49-7. The Lions of Southeastern are riding high after an incredible win over the then number 19 McNeese State Cowboys. QB Justin Allo threw an 82-yard touchdown pass with eight seconds left that bounced off a defender's hands right to his receiver. The upset win keeps Southeastern in the thick of things in the Southland Conference. Coach Ron Roberts hopes this is the spark his team needs. Bottom line, you got to find ways to win ball games, and find ways to win ball games. I still think this group again, uh, we could be pretty come pretty special. Um, hope maybe this is the catapult that puts us over. McNeese State dropped out of the rankings after their heartbreaker. The Cowboys have to move forward, though, with a contest against a tough Central Arkansas team. The Bears are 4-1 and 3-0 in conference play. McNeese does match up well with their ninth-ranked passing offense going against Central Arkansas's 91st-ranked passing defense. Louisiana Monroe receives a visit from the Texas State Bobcats this evening. The Warhawks' woeful season continued last week with another last-second loss because of a field goal. Idaho drilled a game-winning field goal as time expired and ULM fell to 1-4. Head coach Matt Viator knows his team will have a challenge against Texas State's aggressive defense. Defensively, I've been really impressed with the, uh, how hard they play. Uh, they're good tacklers. They play really hard. They rally the football, and, uh, and the, they have certainly have an attacking style of defense. The Nichols State Colonels head over to Texas for a night game against the Houston Baptist Huskies. Nichols won a thriller last Saturday, taking down Stephen F. Austin in double overtime on the arm of quarterback Chase Forcade. A win over the Huskies would put the Colonels at 500 on the year. Number 25 LSU gets back in action with a tilt against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. The Tigers had an unexpected bye week last weekend after their game against Florida was canceled because of Hurricane Matthew. Today's game will be Coach Ed Ogeron's second as interim head coach after demolishing the Missouri Tigers in his first. Leonard Fournette will be out again dealing with a high ankle sprain. Darius Geis has stepped up in his absence, however. In the two games Fournette didn't play, Geis rushed 36 times for 318 yards and four touchdowns. Geis' success helps QB Danny Etling to be successful. Coach O addressed how they've made it easier for Etling. Well, we made it quarterback friendly. First of all, it's about protection. Yeah, we want to make short, easy throws to Danny, easy reads, give him a progression, give him the opportunity to do things that he does well. The things that he doesn't do well, we don't do them. I'm Jordan Fiegel with WWL AM.
FM and WWL.com. All right, Jordan, thank you very much. And, of course, interesting one taking place in uh, the other Death Valley, third-ranked Clemson, 17, NC State, 17, and that's got 6.55 left to play oh. in the ball game. And, T-Bob, interesting one, uh, a team we've come, I guess you'd say, a little bit more familiar with over the last couple of years because uh, we go to a training camp up that way. West Virginia Mountaineers well on their way to getting to 5-0 and and 2-0 in Big 12 play. Look, this is very impressive. You know, going into today, the kind of unknown, like you could say about many teams, how good are they and so forth, but their defense has been surprisingly good. And, T-Bob, I don't know. Texas Tech just got their uh, second touchdown of the game. They now have 17 points. But when's the last time Texas Tech was staying with 8-15 left in the ball game with only 17 points? Yeah, look, I, 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 the, the, I, I'm not really the biggest fan of uh, Big 12 football, man. I mean, I, 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 I – I get it too. I just don't. It doesn't appeal to me. It's the 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 spread, the lack of defense, uh, and that that's why it's always so kind of funny when Cliff Kingsbury comes up in uh, conversation as potentially the LSU coach because people are so enamored by oh, the offense. Lord, it's like no, 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 no. The resume is not there, and you don't want that style of football uh, here in Baton Rouge. Look, mm-hmm. And uh, looking here in Baton Rouge, Deke, when you look at tonight's game, one of the most interesting aspects, we'll talk about it when we get back, to pay attention to is that LSU offensive line. Major shuffling taking place along that line and how the performances play out, how these players do in their new roles could give us uh, an excellent kind of read of where this offensive line is going into uh, the rest of this very tough schedule. Yep, and a lot of times I think on the outside looking in, we tend to think, oh, well, he can play guard, and if he plays guard on the left side, he can play on the right side. It's a little more to it than that. T-Bob will explain next as we break down the LSU offensive line. He'll count you down to the Tigers and the Golden Eagles. 638 kickoff tonight on WWL. Well, the old theory is if you can do it on the right side, you can do it on the left side and so forth. If you play one position, I think we seem to think you can play another. But imagine driving uh, like we drive uh, in the cars now and then driving overseas in which uh, the steering wheel is on the right side of the car and not the left side of the it's car. It's not so bad. Yeah, not, yeah, T-Bob, <laughs> you've done it before. But the, the thing is, T-Bob, is interesting now as we kind of take a look at the offensive line. Today, Ethan Posick is going to right tackle. Uh, his first start at the position, he's been practicing there. Andy Dodd, reserve, uh, it will be at center. And then uh, Mayor Tuhima moving from right tackle to left guard. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, the way you pass protect, the way you block, yeah. the way you push with different feet and everything. It's it's almost like everything is in reverse. And it's seemingly, well, you just got to do it on this side. Take us through this because I think it's a little bit more technical than people could kind of get an idea about. Yeah, and, and so one, one thing quick, quickly of note is that this is the same lineup that you would have been employing against Florida. So for all the talk of Florida trying to escape the game because of injuries, like LSU wasn't exactly looking like a spring chicken. You, you were talking about taking Andy Dodd and his first ever start at center into the swamp and trying to communicate. And when you look at LSU's two losses, and really that's why this O-line shuffling takes on such importance, is that when you look at LSU's two losses this year, Deke, uh, there was a lot of bad body language along the offensive line. A lot of kind of raising of the hands, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of general confusion. And that took place with Ethan Posick at center, a guy who's known 
for his mental acumen, a guy who's known for communicating the calls, getting everyone on the same page. So you kind of think, okay, if you were having some struggles in that regard with your most experienced lineman making all those calls, what happens then when he's all the way out on an edge, he can't make those calls, he can't communicate to the entire line, and you have someone in Andy Dodd making his first ever career start. So one of the silver linings of this Florida game getting pushed back is that uh, it's now a much more friendly environment for this kind of Frankensteinish O-line to uh, make its debut. And I think, Deke, you were talking about kind of the extremities uh, or the, the, the challenges presented by moving right to left. Uh, but the biggest challenge here easily has to be Ethan Posick moving from center to tackle. I mean, that mm-hmm. is unheard of. Now, when he originally came to LSU, there was talking to this dude 6'7". He was the only one smart enough, though at his age, uh, to play center. And so he kind of got thrust into that role. So there's always been this idea that he could technically play all five positions. But to get this deep in your career and suddenly all all of a sudden be thrust into the tackle position from center, I mean, that's pretty wild. That is night and day. And this is coming from someone who, in my career, uh, I used to every day practice two plays at left guard, two plays at center, two plays at right guard, two plays out. So I've shuffled all around. I started at a different position uh, all three years that I started. It was center, right guard, left guard. And, and even to me, someone who's used to moving around like that, all, moving all the way out to tackle would be incredibly alien, incredibly foreign, and incredibly intimidating. So I, I, I think it's a huge plus that this line gets this Southern Miss team as opposed to that Florida Gator team to test their uh, the, the, their medal against. Well, well T-Bob, with, with all this shifting, and, and, and it, this is a lot. We're talking about, you know, basically four of your five interior linemen looking at different things. What What, what is it in this stage of the season? Is it is it trying to find – I guess the question is, what is the offensive line? What is Coach Grimes looking for? I Look, I, so what this tells me, like, like why all this shuffling is taking place – is, is that they're not completely sold on Garrett Brumfield at left guard, which I thought was a bit interesting because I thought he played uh, very well. And, and so they, 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 they feel more comfortable making all these moves than they do just plugging in Garrett Brumfield for the entirety of the game at left guard because that's really the domino that is causing all the, peop- uh, all the pieces to fall. Or I guess it's the Will Clapp injury. Because of that injury, Maya Tahuma moves from right tackle to left guard. Well, you have that right tackle vacancy. Then Ethan Posick moves over out there on the edge. Now Andy Dodd slots in on the middle. So I, I this is about trying to get, I think, what, what you deem your best five offensive linemen on the field or the best of the rest, right, the best of what you're left with. This is a group that's been bitten by the injury bug. But it's trying to get the best five on the field. And, look, if, you, if Will Clapp comes back healthy, if uh, this line gets healthy again, then this sort of uh, experience, having to, you know, having to adapt like this, uh, it kind of provides you with a bit of insurance for the future. If you get hit with an emergency situation in a game where all of a sudden Ethan Posick has to go out to tackle, like we saw, what game was it this year? Where he had to go out to left tackle for a little bit. Oh, I'm blanking right now, Deke. But I think he actually got like a holding penalty on the first play. So this is, this is an opportunity to familiarize yourself with that sort of move. And ideally, you, he won't have to play tackle again, and this won't come up again. But if it does, you'll be better suited uh, to handle that move than you would have been previously.
Getting T. Bob Abe's take on the LSU offensive line again today. Uh, some shifting going on. Ethan Posick expected to be at right tackle, moving from center, where Andy Dye will be at center, and Mayor Tulumia moving from right tackle to left guard. And T. Bob, is it a situation to where you you can have uh, all of these guys? Okay, look over across the board where they grade out, and you know the system better than me. They're grading about even, but we need to find the right combination of guys. It's like you just talked about who's doing his best, and is is there such a thing, T. Bob, and maybe finding in or shifting in the in the line or have you seen of these guys with the starters and the backup to where maybe it comes a point in the game where we're better suited with this guy because you know we start off a few scripted plays that are running or do you just you got to go with the best guys that are overall say pass rush even though you may have one guy that's not starting that might be a better run blocker than somebody that's starting but he's not better overall than the other guy well and and coach grimes has a uh, pretty O-line coaches tend to come from a couple of schools, right? There's the one idea that you have your starting line, and that's who you leave out there. You, you yeah. they, That does not change. That was Coach Stud. Uh, like, if he had gone into this group with that lineup, they would play the entire game. Grimes likes a bit more of a rotation. Now, this is not a line that's right, deep enough right now to have a great rotation, but I do expect to see Garrett Brumfield log some time at left guard, him and Maya Tahuma will be uh, switching, uh, they'll be sharing reps, switching in and out, and that's a dual benefit for LSU. Not only do you rest to Huma a bit, but then more importantly, you continue to get Garrett Brumfield reps because the more comfortable you become with Garrett Brumfield at left guard that he can shoulder that load, then that then allows Ethan Posick to slide back into the middle, into the center position, and gives you a little bit more of the uh, familiarity and the uh, stability that I think you would ideally look for. And finally, T. Bob, wrapping up on the offensive line. Uh, overall, I know it's hard because there's been some shift changes. There's been some line even today. You know, just deep in the season, you've seen uh, some really some wholesale shifting going on. Uh, where where is this offensive line right now before they go into the most crucial stretch of the season? Well, I mean, that's kind of the worrisome part, right? Is that this is a line that has not been bad, but they haven't been great. And in the two losses, they've arguably been. Uh, you know, very very impactful. Maybe bear the majority of the right. burden for why the team lost. I mean, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in just a caveat, not to take up for him, but I think when we also you got to look at who you play, when you play them, and look at them now. And I think it's fair to say. Auburn is allowing 16 points per game. Coach Steele has had Auburn playing as good a defense as they play in a very long time. And the Wisconsin defense, the numbers speak for themselves. So the, although, be it, they didn't play as well against those two, those are two of the better defenses uh, in, in the conference and then also in the nation. Well, and, I mean, look, when you look at Cam Cameron's game plans, um, LSU was getting out game plan pretty hard for, like, really the last couple of years. So you're not always putting the offensive line in the best of positions to be successful. But like we said, so th- th- there were red flags. There were question marks surrounding this offensive line coming in. Through the beginning of the season, those question marks kind of grew. I mean, you look at the last play of the Wisconsin game. A busted yep. assignment ends up forcing Brandon Harris to scramble immediately. The pick is thrown. The game is over. So it's come with some pretty – disastrous results so the question of where is this offensive line right now it's kind of tough to answer because quite frankly Deke we just don't know and we especially don't know where they're at uh in their current form right in in the current lineup that they'll be sporting tonight but that's what it's so good is that it's look it's been two weeks 
since we've had a game, two weeks since we've had fresh film to break down, two weeks since we had just fresh material with which to kind of shape our opinions. Right now, our opinions are very raw. They're very jagged. It's like a, it's like a, a piece of marble that you, you can maybe see the outline of a statue, but it's mm-hmm. not quite there. And then every game we get, every piece of information that we gain, it's like you're shaving a little more off. You're rubbing it down, and you're really seeing that picture, that sculpture uh, start to take place. It's T-Bob, A-Bay at T-Bob 53, getting the lick at the LSU offensive line. Again, uh, the two losses LSU had, folks, a lot of people didn't think Auburn would be this good. And you look at some things, you think of a guy like uh, Gus Malzahn, but it has been their defense that has been the story this season. The Auburn defense has allowed just 16 points on average per game this season. And the Wisconsin defense, again, tonight expected to be another stout outing as they take on their best offense they faced by far this season, J.T. Parrott and the high-profiled Ohio State University Buck. Deke, uh, don't look now. Did Georgia lose to Vanderbilt today? Did that happen? Oh, Tiba, hold on. That is is what I'm seeing on Twitter. And then right now, NC State. With the ball at the 11-yard line, third and one, one minute yes, left, tied 17 17 to 16, Vanderbilt beat Georgia for their first SEC win of the season. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Yep. Kirby Smart, uh, about as rough a year one as you yep. could have right now. At well, if UGA. you're going to lose a game like that, you better lose it in year one. <laughs> exactly, right? Like that, That's a great point. This is where he's going to have the leash to get away with it. Right. Uh, real quick as well, Deke. It looks like NC State just picked up a first down, meaning that they will have a game-winning field goal opportunity from about the 10-yard line to defeat Clemson. And Boy. this is important because, remember, we mentioned that first and goal situation where they got backed up, backed up earlier? That field goal ended up being blocked. So right. the last time they were here, they, they did not go according to plan, but they will, they're will they going to have their shot to give right. Dabo Sweeney and the and, Tigers their first loss this season. And you know what's interesting, too, is although some won't want to look at it as we welcome in Jeff Palermo, columnist at www.com, but Louisiana Network Sports Director also, is that not only do you look at who a team loses to, but you look at who that team, who they lose to, who they've lost to. Yeah. The NC yeah. State's one loss was to East Carolina. So this would really – Pop, pop a hole into the ACC theory, especially coming off in what's supposed to be the most dynamic team in the conference already with one loss. And last night they struggled to beat Duke, a Duke ball yeah. club that was, what, two and three on the season. So, Jeff Palermo, as, as much as we try to tend to look uh, at some things, who's good and who's not, uh, there's probably about maybe four teams I think you can consistently say, all right, I think I know how good they are. But outside of that, you can pretty, pretty much punch holes in anybody else's schedule. Well, I, I thought Clemson was one of those four teams until today, but they just they've just struggled. A couple of uh, turnovers for them today inside the red zone, and it's just been one of those games where when you're a, you're a national championship contender and you just kind of sleepwalk for a, in a game, uh, you know, an early start, noon kickoff there in South Carolina, and they just kind of sleepwalk the whole time and. Uh, you leave uh, North Carolina State hanging around. These kind of things happen. You see it all the time. So uh, it's getting to that point of the year, guys, where you're, you know, the back half of October and in November where you just see some stunning games. And this uh, North Carolina State Clemson contest might be one of those games that really shakes things up. Jeff, uh, this is an interesting stretch for LSU because of the dynamics of what has taken place. After tonight's game, four of the five of the five remaining games will be against teams the way things are shaping up, unless some fall through, rank 12th or higher when you factor in the day, especially depending on who wins the day, Ole Miss and Arkansas. But A&M, 
Florida, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. So the, the schedule is, is extremely tough to set up down the stretch of the season. The home home schedule got a little more interesting. But your your thoughts on this team tonight, where they go in. It's interesting because there was no game last week. I think everybody was looking for another step toward improvement, albeit a tougher opponent in their place. I think fans are expecting that tonight. But it's almost maybe somewhat of a little bit of a feel is that because of the lack of a not a game and you were two weeks removed from your last game, Maybe there's a little bit of unexpectedness, too. We, you know, we really don't know what to expect tonight in this contest. We hope we take another step forward. Certainly we don't want to regress. Yeah, it's got that feeling of a, a trap game. You know, they, they don't really have another trap game the rest of the season because, as you mentioned, they're playing really good competition the second half of the season. But, you know, here's a team that, uh, you know, in LSU, you don't play last week, so you – you kick your feet up, you relax, you take your mind off of football for a couple of days, and then you play Southern Miss. And really the entire discussion this entire week uh, has been why they didn't play against Florida and how they're going to reschedule that game. Uh, you know, they make the announcement finally on Thursday that uh, they're going to play November 19th. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that this, when the team was practicing, they, they weren't looking at the schedule. They were getting ready for Southern Miss. But you you just wonder, uh, you know, how uh, focused, how dialed in they are for this game, especially knowing you have Ole Miss coming up on the, on the schedule. And that's a game, if you're LSU, you're looking at that you can really prove that you are still one of the top teams in the Southeastern Conference. I don't know what you – uh, necessarily think as far as, uh, you know, if you beat Southern Miss, it's kind of, okay, well, you're supposed to beat Southern Miss. But this is, uh, you know, a game where Ed Orson's got to make sure the guys are focused. He's got to get them fired up. I think the team will no doubt be ready to play tonight. But, uh, you know, if once this game settles in, you just hope that LSU, you know, has had the, the focus and the concentration throughout the week to, to do what they need to do here tonight and win this game comfortably. Oh, oh the life of a kid. Oh, my God, dude. Lord, I'm sitting here watching oh the T5 God, on, on Doc's screen over here. Oh I mean, this God. is at the 16. This is a 33-yard. Oh. This is an extra point in the NFL. And, T, I mean, Clemson, uh, excuse me, NC State had a chance to go ahead and win it with no time left on the clock, and he shanked the field goal, and now they're going the, to overtime, so the Clemson and NC State. The craziest part is when – so, so they tried. So they iced him, right? Dabo Sweeney calls the timeout. The kicker still went ahead, like it was kind of weird. Delayed after the timeout, he was still went ahead with the kick, and he barely made it, barely snuck it through the right. And I was like, "Oh man, that looked kind of sketchy." And then what ends up happening? Shanks it to the right. Wow, wow, that is, oh man, hurting for that NC State team. Uh, all right, though, Jeff, let's get back to tonight's game. Uh, this Southern Miss offense is statistically one of the top offenses in the entire nation. It seems like when we talk about LSU, we almost never talk about how the defense because of there's just not as many question marks. They've been so consistent. How do you feel the Tigers match up tonight? Oh, I, I think they're going to do well. You know, it's kind of uh, the same thing uh, two weeks ago. We talked a lot about Missouri's offense and what they're able to do, and LSU completely shut them down. Uh, if uh, Southern Miss is not able to control LSU's pass rush, it's going to be a long day for them. Um, I, I think this is a game that, you know, defensively for LSU, they should be fresh. They should be moving around. Uh, you lose Ricky Jefferson, we'll see what kind of shakeup that is. I, I thought Jefferson was really having a good senior season. He's been a consistent guy. Is he uh all-SEC performer? No, he's not, but he, he's one of those glue guys that you have, a, a, a leader back there and you lose him uh but you know as that orgeron said on thursday night 
they knew going really from the start of the season between John Battle and Ricky Jefferson, there wasn't much of a difference talent-wise. Really, probably the reason why Jefferson got the nod as the starter was the fact that he was the senior uh, and Battle was a junior. So now uh, Battle's got that opportunity. Might see a few other guys back there as well, but uh, I, I think uh, I think LSU's defense will play very well here. Um, you know, I'm kind of waiting to see you know how what this offense looks like. Um, you know, are we going to still yeah. continue to see the uh, unpredictability with the play calling like we did against Missouri? Yeah, yeah that, we'll see. Go ahead, I well, no, I mean, I, I just I was going to say, I mean, that's that that's why the defense seemingly gets ignored so often in these talks about LSU is just that the offense, like, there's just so much unknown. Is Steve Insminger really the LSU Moses chosen to lead us out of offensive captivity, or was it a bit of a tease? And, and we'll soon realize that the offensive chains remain. And, and, Jeff, you know, when you look at this, and I, I think obviously, you know, uh, the, the change had to be when it was made, not only Coach Miles but uh, Coach Cameron, but uh, one would have said, you know, look at the special teams. I mean, what do you do with Coach Pieberto? How have this – your thoughts on the special teams in, in the Missouri game? And I would I would be imagine that, you know, when that meeting came down, that, you know, Coach Ogeron tells Coach Pieberto, okay, look, we we got to start playing better in this department. I, well, I think they've been good kickoff coverage all season long. That, that's been a – uh, obviously a bright spot. Um, you know, it really starts off with them actually kicking the ball in bounds. Uh, that, that seems to be the biggest issues. They've had inconsistency with uh, Josh Groden, the punter. He, he's been, you know, really inconsistent is really the best way to put it. Um, so, I mean, it seems to me to get your specialty guys uh, going. Um, Kobe Delahousse has not had a good season as a field goal kicker. He's missed a couple field goals. LSU hasn't had many chances, but that that hasn't been pretty. Uh, the punting has not been that great. Uh, kicking the ball off the tee on a kickoff hasn't been. To, to me, that's been the biggest issue is that they've they've struggled in that department. They've covered kicks well. They've covered punt, punts well uh, for the most part. So. Uh, you know, they had the one spectacular punt return for a touchdown by Tredavious White. You, you're always going to get that with the amount of talent that LSU has as far as returners go. But it's the uh, it's it's just really getting getting what they need out of those specialty players, out of your specialists, uh, getting those guys to, to do what they're supposed to do. Jeff, finally, LSU in southern Mississippi, your take tonight. How do you see this from playing out, LSU and the Golden Eagles? All right. I don't think I've picked LSU to, to, to cover the point spread yet this season. Uh, I may do it. I guess I'll do it here today. Um, you know, I think the Tigers just, the, the fact that they're coming off the bye week, I think they'll, they will be amped up. I think Coach O's got these guys directed in the right, to, they're heading in the right direction. Um, you know, Southern Miss, the fact that uh, they really had no answer for Texas San Antonio last week gives me belief that LSU offensively will be able to do whatever they want. Tigers' defense is really tough, so uh, I like LSU to win. You know, 34-10, something like that. 38-10, something in that, uh, something in that area, and then uh, get ready for what should be a good game next week against Ole Miss. Jeff Palermo, Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com and Louisiana Network Sports Director. Jeff, how can people keep up with you on Twitter? At Jeff Palermo, LRN. Jeff, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right, come back up and wrap up hour number two and get you more take. Take a look on the defensive side of the football, and we'll find out who the four and two Golden Miss Eagles are. He's T. Bob Aber. I'm Deke Belavere. The number three team in the country, Clemson, now in overtime with NC State. Dude.
in Clemson. I got to, and, and we'll talk about it when we get back, but I got to take the uh, NC State offensive coordinator a bit to task here for how they handled that uh, end of the game situation. It is laid up almost, didn't it? Well, it's, it's, he, they, they were, I think, on like the 10, and they called a throw. They, they threw yeah. a pass, and they got sacked, and they lost seven or eight yards. They made the kick harder than it had to be. And now, but but people are saying, like, because I, I said, I, they put it out there on Twitter, oh, that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And people are saying, oh, well, this, like, now that the kick has been missed, they say, oh, well, that's why they did it. They have no faith in their kicker. But hold on now. You made the kick harder. If you yeah. have no faith in your kicker, just run it up the middle. They end up getting sacked, and it pushes it to the, it was either the left or right hash. I, look, it was just a terrible, terrible Terrible call, and uh, it ends up costing them in the end. All right, continue talking LSU and Southern Miss here on WWL. Coming up, we'll take a look at the afternoon scores, plus we'll get your take on LSU and a Southern Miss. We'll start to find out about the Eagles and how they got to be a 4-2 and two ball club. That is forthcoming, and we'll take a look at the afternoon games, the 2.30 games getting set in progress. Count you down to LSU and the Southern Miss, along with T-Bob Bear. I'm Deke Bellabia. This is WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 